Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. The food and beverage industries are undergoing a massive renaissance, with fresh ideas continuously entering the market. But with a dismal failure rate for new CPGs of upwards of 85% in the first two years, it can be difficult to identify from the outset if an idea is truly disruptive versus a flash in the pan. On one level, faith that an innovation is groundbreaking will help push many entrepreneurs to take that first step, and an infectious passion could help them gain initial traction with consumers. But when it comes to true disruption and long-term success, innovation alone is not enough. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, industry veteran and the current CMO for the My Mo Mochi ice cream brand, Russell Barnett, shares lessons he's learned from his experience helping break out innovative brands, including Pop Chips and Mike's Hard Lemonade, not only disrupt their categories, but find long-term success. According to Barnett, the first key to category disruption and long-term success is to make an innovative idea or product accessible to the masses in a way that's open and inviting rather than confusing and intimidating. So I've been very, very fortunate in my career to work with people who are exceptionally brilliant and brave. Um, and what, I, what I've been able to do is take ideas that people have and make them relevant for consumers. Um, and so when I, when I think about some of the things that, that, that I've been very fortunate to do and some of the folks that I've been able to do with, you know, early on in my career, I actually did start uh, early on in, in Dev Alcohol, and uh, we brought uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade to the masses. And the, the, real, the real sort of knowledge base there was, Understanding that we had to have uh, we had to have guys picking up this thing called lemonade in a beer drinking occasion. So we thought a lot about occasion. We thought a lot about usage. We thought a lot about about how to how to get to to the masses, if you will. And the other piece of that was we knew that the naming convention had to be right because other people had sort of come into this space with beer alternative kinds of things and failed. And so we lovingly went into this thing saying. We're, we're, we're defining brands for a failed category. I mean, how's that for sort of overcoming something? And so for us, we really made sure that the lemonade name stuck, and it was, it was for us making sure that our method of manufacture allowed us to do that. So that, that's sort of the Mike side of things. Um, you know, there were, you know, more recently, you know, we, 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 we launched Pop Chips, and Pop Chips was an interesting one because it, it, it was uh, a tremendous success. But it started out very confusing. Um, when we first launched Pop, we, we had it uh, as uh, potato, corn, and rice-based items. And what we quickly found out was, oh, my God, wonderful innovation, fantastic, we're doing this, but incredibly con- uh, uh, confusing for the consumer because they couldn't understand how all these bases worked together or, frankly, didn't care that there were different bases of chips. So once we focused on the idea of potato and it was a better-for-you potato chip, that is where real, that's where we were able to really accelerate. So consumers are able to take one single step change 
if you create more than one step change, you really have a, a heavy, heavy lifting in education, and that's really expensive and really, really hard to do. Um, you know, and then things like Gardein, uh, which again, I was sort of fortunate uh, enough to work with. You know, Gardein was all about leaning into this great idea of, of, of doing something better for you and better for the environment while still eating and enjoying the, the idea of meat without actually eating meat. And, and that, was, that was some real special thinking uh, there. Again, leaning into all of the great attributes that, that one expects, all the savoriness, all the deliciousness, all the satisfying moments without all that weight, uh, uh, guilt and weight on you as, as you're sort of looking to be a more sort of productive or, or responsible citizen to yourself and to the environment by reducing, not eliminating, your, your, your meat uh, intake. Barnett now is applying all of these same principles and lessons that he learned about accessibility to the My Mo Mochi ice cream brand, which launched about three years ago as a snackable confection made from sweet rice dough wrapped around premium ice cream. As Barnett explains, the brand is expanding and constantly innovating to keep consumers engaged and to disrupt the novelty ice cream set. What we're doing over here at My Mo Mochi Ice Cream, we, we sort of found that holy grail in frozen novelty space, which was ripe for innovation. Um, you know, Mochi Ice Cream has been around since the, the, the early 90s but really didn't take traction until folks like us came on the scene and said, how do we make it accessible to the masses? And we did that by, you know, keeping the weird, which in our case was dough and ice cream because we're not used to chewing our, our ice cream in this country. Um, but what we, what we did say was, look, there's some barriers to entry. So one of those is we can't lean on traditional sort of Asian flavors. We've got to move right into what uh, a consumer uh, understands. So we went right up the alley with chocolate, strawberry, vanilla. That's what I grew up with. And then we also made sure that, that the naming convention, what we call this thing, you could pronounce. So Mimo Mochi Ice Cream. Package it up and think about what trends are happening in the world. And for us, you know, and, and, and for your, your, your users, as, as people listening to this, um, it's not always, it, it's about occasion. And what we understood was we were bigger than ice cream, but really a snack because we're living in the largest snacking generation right now. And that's really important to think about how are people consuming their food, just not what the food they're consuming is. Three successful strategies that Barnett has used to bring consumers around to new ideas is promoting the new product through social media campaigns that target first adopters or a group of people who would benefit most from the product. Second, giving products away at small and medium-sized events rather than just in stores. And third and finally, by engaging in a strong PR strategy. To me, there's so much ability to drive pull at this point with the advent of, of technology. Social media is amazing. I mean, just you know, it, it's, it's inexpensive. You can get it to the masses. You can target efficiently. So I think, I think there's a lot that, that can be said from a technology standpoint. We use it for a whole host of, 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 of uh, uh, reasons from, from education to, you know, inspiration. Uh, and, and for us, the big piece of that is really, really creating a, a, a tapestry, really weaving a tapestry so that we're not one-dimensional. We're really sort of, we're people and we're people first. We're super high-touch we're super accessible, 
Um, we're super fun. Um, play is our purpose, and and I've and I've told the folks in here what we what we what we really strive to be is to do is, is is have more fun than anybody else. And so when you have those two edicts, for 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 us, that's just getting out and being yourselves. And so there's nothing nothing you know amazing about that. Just be be a nice person and have fun while you're doing it. Um, the other piece is that it goes back to you know you do have to spend some time and energy putting product in people's hands and giving them the opportunity to fall in love with it. And, and, and um, uh, you know, uh, sampling is great. I'm not a huge fan of, of, of sampling uh, necessarily in, in a store, but what I do love is I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of field teams that do sort of give you proximity but bring a product into the real world and define and show usage occasion in everyday life. And I think that's a really special – that's a special way to, to get people to – understand what you're doing, um, experience the product, but also sort of give it some, some, some legs beyond simply the, the, the retail environment. I really do love experience, and I think there's nothing I – don't, I don't think there's much that you can go beyond that. So, so I always – I've tended to really enjoy finding ways to put product in people's hands and, and, and give them a reason to fall in love with it. And, and, and our, our edict here is to really – engage in tasty conversations while you're doing it. So what that tends to be for us is um, it means fewer and better. So I'm worried, I, I don't look to uh, experiences that may be 10,000 people, and so I'm not looking for the mass. What I'm looking for is 50 people who may be exceptionally uh, right up our alley and that we can, we can spend the time to have them fall in love with us. Um, and the third thing is, you know, I, I love PR, and that's why we're, you know, doing a lot of the activities we're doing, but really trying to generate a, a more organic buzz around the brand versus uh, a paid uh, opportunity, especially early stage. Uh, I think it, 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 it provides a much more sort of a genuine uh, way of, uh, of going at things. And I think, I think that people have been sort of turned off by big, and they're afraid of, 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 of impersonal. And, 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 and so entrepreneurs now, uh, especially in, in the food space, have this great ability to connect uh, in a way that is, that is un, unheard of. And, and, and big food is, is, continues to try to emulate, and, and, and they can't quite do it. And that's why you have strategic buyouts, because they, 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 they have to learn from, from other people. In addition to being accessible for a new product to thoroughly disrupt a category, Barnett says it also needs to be available to the masses through strategic distribution. But not every retailer will be a good fit for a new product or idea, which is why Barnett says it's important for brands launching a new concept to consider more than just the number of doors that a retailer can offer but also take into the account the extent to which that retailer will support and promote an innovation or an unfamiliar product with its consumers. Um, well, for, for me, uh, look, there, there is a time and a place for every brand and every new idea. And not every retailer is going to get where you believe the, the, the business, their business, a category may be. And what I find is important for folks to understand is the idea that a partner may not be ready just yet is A-OK. -okay. 
So if you're forcing an issue with a retailer, what tends to happen is you, you, you're not going to get the level of, uh, a level of commitment and buy-in from, from their side. So I always advise people to find one, two, three great retailers who really understand what you're doing, giving you that chance, and partnering with them in such a strong way to engineer those really small bits of success that you can leverage and take out to that next wave of retailer. Because they're not all going to get it. You can't start with a, you know, you, you, you can't start with a, a Kroger, for example, um, right off the bat uh, in a lot of cases. Now, the good news is that a lot of these big retailers who are out there have a real true, um, real true uh, um, sort of gusto right now for innovation because they really do want to see and be on that sort of first wave. So you do see folks like a Kroger who do hold innovation summits, um, who do bring in equity partners to help them sort of identify emerging trends and help them navigate this, this sort of very confusing space of what's real and what's sort of a fad. Now, traditionally, the natural channel was the natural fit for innovative and disruptive products to market. But Barnett says that this is no longer the only path for companies. Rather, more mainstream retailers now are willing to take a chance on new ideas, in part out of fear that their otherwise will be left behind. I think the natural channel is, is fantastic, and that is the traditional pathway in which, in which folks have gotten there. Uh, we've been very fortunate at MIMO in, in that um, we started mainstream grocery and sort of continue to backfill into natural specialty. Then we let our innovation roll out, and it tends to get picked up very, very quickly in mass, uh, in, in, in mass market and then backfilled again. Um, so there are certainly going to be those folks that, that have that ability. And again, right now with what's happening in the food space and what, where retailers are in, in, in afraid to miss the next Chobani or afraid to miss the next Crave or afraid to uh, miss uh, sort of a kind bar, it, it's a really good time to be in, in food and innovation right now. And the other part of that is you don't have to go through systems nationally. You can take on very, you can take on smaller tests. You can take on a particular uh, uh, banner within a, a major retailer. You can take on uh, a, 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 ge a geographic region. You can slice it to types of stores that you may see greater success than others. So that's what I, I find that's been really nice about the, re the retail environment right now is the flexibility is, is, is unprecedented as I've seen it recently. As companies build consumer awareness of and retail distribution for their innovation, Barnett says they need to remain open to feedback and be willing to expand or adjust the definition of their product, if necessary, to remain relevant or else risk becoming a passing fad. A lot of things can happen. Um, one, um, a consumer's point of reference can change. And that can be a massive driving uh, 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 um, uh, piece. So um, when that happens, you can't, you, can't, you, 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 you can't get out of the way quick enough because you, you, you've, just, you've just lost the moment. So you can either amend and innovate the offering or just step away. Um, and and that, that, that happens a lot. You know, the, 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 you, know you start out with an idea, um, and all of a sudden – Consumers say, you know, we, we, we've, got, we've grown past what your offering is, and that's okay. Um, 
the other side of that it tends to be that, that, that entrepreneurs don't understand what their higher calling is. And, and so what can happen is they can get really, really uh, close with the particular product offering that they've got, and, and they just innovate in flavors. And flavor innovation is great, but it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily provide for, for long-term success. For us uh, here at MIMO, one of the things that we, we understood early on was uh, we're a snack, and you better act like a snack. And so when you think about what snacking is, that requires a whole bunch of different ways to go about innovating. So we created a platform. Um, it was really easy for us to have mochi ice cream because um, that's what we do. But we understood early on that uh, a couple of things. One, um, we knew that non-dairy was important. We talked about that early on. And we knew that it wasn't for everybody, but, we, but if we, we wanted to stay relevant, we'd better get there quickly. So within six months of launching MIMO, maybe just under a year, we came out with a non-dairy and vegan line. Very important for us. And we looked at ingredients. We said, look, what's going to give the best eating experience? Because we're all textural. So what's the best experience around it? So we used cashew to do that. It was really easy for us to work at coconut and the like. But we didn't want to do that. It got shardy. It wasn't a good mouthfeel. And we wanted to make sure that we kept soy out of our, our items as well. So again, looking at how do you do that, having a little insight as to what you want to be. We also understood that while we're a snack, we have this word ice cream in our name. And we, we, ice cream's a huge, wonderful moment, but we love the idea of people being able to chew because chewing is such a wonderful, satisfying piece of eating. It's joy. So we said, well, let's, let's, let's play in that. Let's play in the ice cream space since it's kind of in our name. So what if we came out with deconstructed mochi ice cream? for those folks who kind of understand ice cream versus snacking occasions. So we came out with a, a line of uh, Mimo ice cream with mochi bits on the inside. Think about a deconstructed mochi ice cream ball. And then the third piece of that was just recently we just launched our, our, our triple layer uh, mochi ice cream, which is the innovation of adding yet another layer to create more fun and play in your snack. So that we have flavors like chocolate sundae, which is chocolate mochi dough with vanilla ice cream with a cherry center. Or we have a s'mores that's coming out, which will be a chocolate mochi dough with graham cracker ice cream and a, and, and a marshmallow center. So it's really looking at where we can inject play and how we can inject building innovation that really supports a snacking platform. That was important for us. And that, to me, is where a lot of entrepreneurs lose out. They've got a beverage or they've got a snack or whatever it may be, and they just continue to innovate along the lines of flavor only. With these strategies, Barnett says he believes that any category, no matter how sleepy, can be reawakened through disruptive innovation. There are smart people around the world, and every category is ready for disruption. I really, truly believe it. Um, and, and there are folks who are going to come in, and they're going to see some white space, whether they fall into it accidentally or they realize it through some level of, 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 of engineering around a, a product space. But I think every the, – the thing I've learned when I look at what has happened in the food space is there is nobody who isn't ready to get picked off because someone can come in and do something smarter, better, more interesting, more beloved than the next guy. And so people are learning constantly. So there's not one particular category. If I'm a food – if I'm in the food space, I'm going I'm, – I'm going I'm to keep my eyes behind me at all times and look, at, look ahead as well because it, 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 it can come out of anywhere. With this in mind, Barnett sees a bright feature for Mimo Mochi ice cream 
and for the food space as a whole. Uh, well, MIMO will will、uh, will continue to 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 grow.、Um, it will now become a mochi ice cream will become a ubiquitous snack in the American lexicon.、Um, MIMO will be that de facto brand name for this space.、Um, you know, if we do everything right, we'll continue to own around that eighty percent mark, and there will be other players who will come in there. And they they have a, a place and a time and a relevance. Um, which is equally as important, which helps prop up the relevancy of a category. So、um, for us, that that'll be important.、Um, the other piece is we're setting up a snack platform, and we happen to be in the frozen space now. But who knows where the future leads us?、Uh, and mochi is a joyous, joyous thing. So it could lead into a lot of directions. But we will know. We we will let you know that、uh, chewing your snack and mochi being the center of that bit of joy will be will be paramount for our success. And the food space as a whole. I look, innovations here. Food is amazing. Food is joy.、Um, it's what you what you look for with your friends. And I think that 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 the real successful folks are going to be able to figure out how to create that that gap between food, of function and taste and experience. And I think that's where I think、uh, that's where I think food、uh, and and the big winners are gonna are, are gonna be in the next five years. And with that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to make sure that you remember, I encourage you to subscribe on iTunes. Until then, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable New Year.